0: Okay, Thank you very much, uh, Kevin, and uh, good morning, everyone, and thanks for the opportunity to take part in this important discussion. I'm going to be talking generally on primary health care and the importance of the social determinants. Morning. It does not work.
1: All right. that's That's um... fine.
0: Hello. Good morning again. As I said, I'm going to be talking, uh, my name's is Temba yes, it's been introduced, I'll be talking on the broadly on primary health care and the importance of the social determinants of health, and really coming from the perspective that health is a basic human right has already been said and is necessary really for one to live a productive and fulfilled life in everything that one does and primary health care has been an important strategy to try and ensure equitable access to basic health services and good quality of life and the ultimate goal of primary health care as defined by WHO really is better life better health for all by ensuring fair and equitable access and there are a number of key elements that they've defined that are necessary for this, but amongst these are, you know, reducing inclusion, exclusion rather than social disparities in health, organizing health services around people's needs and their expectations, integrating health into all sectors and making sure that all health sectors play their play their role, and I'll touch on this uh, briefly, and then also in- increasing stakeholder participation, because at the end of the day, people need to know what their health, needs are, they know what their health needs are, they need to be able to determine and shape those services. But it's been recognized and there is a lot of data to show that in many settings, and we've been given an example just this morning, uh, what the powerful impact is of social determinants in health. And maybe it's good to start by asking what are the social determinants of health. And these really, again, WHO has defined quite simply as those conditions in which people are born. Grow, live, work, and age, and these have a powerful influence on one's opportunity to obtain optimum health through the life course, and actually are responsible for most of the health inequities that we see in any country. And these are seen, and this is seen, between countries, within countries, and within communities, as has been described this morning. Where, not very far away from Santon, the conditions of life and the opportunities are very very different in alexandria so and basically all these conditions have a powerful influence on one's opportunity to attain her optimum health as i've said and but what's important is that these opportunities and these determinants are really shaped by the distribution of money power resources at global local levels and differences in access to education employment, and as others will t- touch upon, safe water and sanitation as examples. And we, I think a very real-life example for us in this part of the world is, are the HIV statistics that you see in South Africa and within the region, where it's, be- it's quite clear that those, the poor, w- who are disadvantaged and come from lower socioeconomic strata, if you disaggregate the data you'll find that they have higher prevalence levels, higher morbidity, mortality, and issues such as education, income, are all protective at a population level. And even resources are important in your ability to cope with and live with a disease. And in the zona where I've worked for a long time, the data very, very clearly show that. And of course, gender issues are a major, are a major uh, concern. So, in essence, long-term health outcomes are often shaped by factors which are outside the health sector and the health sector's influence. And the health sector has the responsibility to make sure that there is good access and to reduce the impact of these inequities. But at the end of the day, you do see it in your infant, your mortality, your under five mortality. And generally, as the economic status of countries and communities grows and improves, so do you see an improvement in their health indicators, such as life expectancy at birth, uh, under-5 survival, and so forth. And there has been you know, discussion around primary health care engineering in the country, and this is what Social, so, uh, Social City is working on and, and what it does. And basically, this is an effort to try and strengthen the health system and put in place reforms that will try and reduce... Uh, some of these gaps and differences and of course the NHI or National Health Insurance is a way of trying to make sure that there is adequate funding which will then enable and ensure um, universal access to health coverage. But I think if we look at very real life examples even when health care is free your life situation, the community you come from your economic status still determines your access. You need to have money to be able to pay for a taxi cab You may be living very far from those clinics. Roads may be poor in the areas where you live. And all of these things then affect your ability to access care and will affect your health outcomes. And that is why the issue of intersectoral collaboration to produce health is so important because all sectors have a contribution to make, whether it's water, sanitation, roads. If electricity is unreliable, then emergency services can't be provided properly in clinics and other places. But I think what's not been done well in the past, and this is recognized in the way that the post-2015 global health agenda is being articulated, is that while it's been recognized that other sectors have an important contribution to make, I think as people in the health sector, we haven't done well in making sure that these other sectors are also held accountable for the areas in which they are required to to deliver services. Where health outcomes are poor, the health sector is asked to account. But the water sector might, might be much more important in actually improving health in, in, in those areas. So I think mine was really to give a kind of general view of the importance of social determinants and the importance of primary health care and public health policies in making sure that these issues are addressed where the health sector champions Uh, making sure that social determinants are addressed and does its bit in making sure that it doesn't contribute to inequitable access but also has to lead the campaign in making sure that other sectors make their contribution but most importantly are held accountable for that also and I think it's only that way that we'll see uh, progress in dealing with some of these inequities but economics is important even if you go back to around 1945 if you look at the TB data for many of the countries in Europe the prevalence of TB started coming down well below, well before the antibiotic era. And it was really when the economic conditions in the industrial era improved that health outcomes for these people improved. And it's exactly the same today. So economics is an important driving force. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much. And our next speaker, a please. Thank you, Kevin. Um, Thank you to Seoul City and for the opportunity to, to speak to you this morning. Um, I was on a red-eye flight this morning uh, from Cape Town, so forgive me if I speak a bit slower than usual. In the, in the short uh, five minutes uh, afforded to us, um, I want to talk to you about three things quickly. One, and a quick comment on the recent indicators and in the nature of poverty and inequality in South Africa, because that's what I was asked to speak about, the impact of poverty and inequality as a social determinant of health, as social determinants of health. I want to give you a couple of insights um, of our experiences and findings and what ordinary people said about how poverty impacts on health, especially uh, in our recent work um, which we are um, engaging uh, through the RMCH project of which Seoul City is a partner, Uh, and then the limited gains made by the state in 20 years, the danger of it being eroded by immoral and unlawful uh, debit deductions of social grants, private sector interests that the minister herself calls unlawful so uh, dr. Moweti covered uh, what is what the social determinants of health are they differ from country (coughs) to country from state to state there are a range of definitions but there is commonalities uh, which include social factors impacting on the health of an individual Um, in the 2003 uh, World Health Organization they uh, report they spoke about social gradients that life expectancy is shorter and disease more common further down the social ladder. Now, uh, let me just briefly pause there and, and, and say to you, that is a, a particularly um, prevalent in the South African context where there is a very, very high Gini coefficient. We are, shamefully, again, probably the world's worst and most in, unequal country in, in, in the world, uh, having surpassed Brazil. Brazil in 2006, and I visited that community reduced inequality and improve their development indicators through cash transfers now our government has done a lot of work in um, improving the quality of life especially people living in extreme poverty through our social grants system now the black sash as you know um, has been well known through the years in in helping people with social assistance but my input this morning is not from the perspective of a welfareist or a nanny state it's from the, the developmental role that uh, grants can, can do, in, in particular with regards to health. Um, I prepared a slide and I'll share that with you. Right now in primary healthcare reengineering, engineering um, I had the privilege of being seconded for a while to work um, um, and report to the DG. I was working with the ward-based primary healthcare outreach uh, teams, uh, assisted by Health Systems Trust. I've been into every single province between April and October of last year. Um, the ward-based primary health care outreach teams are part of three or four legs, uh, district clinical specialist teams uh, school health uh, teams are working in uh, approximately 10 uh, health districts in South Africa and we are working very closely with the Department of Health in that regard. Now one of the things to, to demonstrate the point about poverty and inequality and what Dr. Moweti referred to, intersectoral collaboration, how, how we throw more money at a problem, but the development outcome is worse. Is exactly linked to us not talking to sideways. So I go up to a place called Tolo, and there is a gogo sitting with uh, the grandchild, and in the cupboard there's only millimil. And classic symptoms of Kwasi Orkor, uh The school health systems team pick that up. Now, if only the metadata of the health information systems could be shared with a social worker earlier on that child in terms of her or his brain development will enable him to participate equally in an economy that's just one example of two government departments being able to talk to each other and getting our people better and having better value in terms of the inputs made i always uh, use a picture of during the 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 xenophobic crisis of of two kids sitting watching the mayor's car and but 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 behind them is a refuse dump now one of the things you may know about the Durin's area is that labor-broking labor-broking was the problem Oxfam the South African Human Rights Commission and ourselves went behind the scenes And some of it was linked to the police brutality of uh, community leaders who wanted to raise the issues. Some of it has been linked to the long-standing problems of communities not being heard by the municipality and that the Ward 5 area, we brought the mayor there. He never saw the poor state of refuse collection in his area. And remember that 30% of diarrheal deaths in children can be prevented by better environmental health care. And there are pictures showing... A refuse that was never removed for months. Now, one of the things that I thought uh, I would share, and I'm, I'm halfway now, uh, Kevin, if you pointing fingers at me, yeah, is two that
0: third, two thirds of your time, unfortunately. this morning
1: um, on my way here in the Cape Times, there was a brilliant article by Bishop Jeff Davis. He talks about inequality driven by greed, the destructive pursuit of wealth, and I quote him. He says, contrary to the reigning economic dogma, wealth trickles up rather than down. It is morally unacceptable that with our wealth there is so much poverty. We need growth but the right kind in education, healthcare, and essentials like food, water, sanitation and housing. A key is found in the writings of Islam, Judaism um, and Christianity, all condemning usury. Lending money at exorbitant rates of interest The consequence of usury is that in order to pay back the interest We have to drill for more oil, clear more forests Catch more fish and consume more and more goods to pay the interest In our um, RMCH work and in our citizen monitoring People on the ground speaks about in, In this I'm quoting from somebody in Adelaide With reduced social grants or less money Beneficiaries often can't buy enough food supplies, groceries Can't pay pay prepaid electricity vouchers, default on fu- funeral insurance policy payments, default on clothing needs, are hospitalized for blood pressure, low sugar levels, nervous tension, walk out on their homes and children, can't achieve a reasonable quality of life and can't escape poverty. Families are disrupted, domestic violence, children don't go to school, beneficiaries sell their personal belongings. And yet, yet, we allow private sector businesses to exploit the poor. And now I'm going to name them. Because there's evidence You remember Cash Pay Master Services Is a company owned 100% by Net One, And the Minister of Social Development Batabili Dlamili, Dlamini Glamini, has called the deductions that they are taking Through the use of identity documents And sasa cards She called it immoral She called it unlawful We were advised by the lawyers not to say illegal Because they will argue From a banking perspective fact that it came into FICA. But I want to quote the interest <coughs> rates. I want to quote the people that I that I I interviewed blind people charged two hundred percent rates, charged two hundred and eighty percent interest, um, having their money stripped unlawfully, fraudulent activity taking place. Cash pay master services telling Sasa that they paid back the money and they didn't. And please watch the space, especially next week, about a, an announcement by the ministerial task team on which I and my colleagues serve that the Minister will be making next week. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed. I
0: was speak five minutes. <laughs> uh, thank you very much. Um, when we-